You're listening to the Assembly Call IU podcast and postgame show, the place where Indiana fans across the globe hang out online after every IU basketball game. Join us for our live broadcasts on Thursday nights and immediately following every IU game at our website, assemblycall.com. That's assemblycall.com. And welcome, Hoosier fans, to another disappointed episode of the Assembly Call, as tonight your Indiana Hoosiers fell without much of a whimper to the Duke Blue Devils in Durham at Cameron Indoor Arena. Uh, Just not a good performance by Indiana. Duke jumped out on the Hoosiers early in the game. Uh, Indiana allowed themselves to get sped up. Obviously, Duke's defensive pressure had a lot to do with that, but the Hoosiers just a just consistent stream of turnovers and poor decisions and lackadaisical box outs and pretty much everything that could have gone wrong went wrong. And this was a game that pretty much felt like it was over after about five or six minutes. Um, And, you know, look, there's just not a whole lot to say about it. It was a disappointing effort all around from Indiana. Duke is obviously very, very talented, but I think all IU fans, while maybe not expecting a victory in this game, expected Indiana to compete better than they did and that's why I think so many IU fans are disappointed in what we saw tonight. We're going to break it all down for you. I'm your host, Jared Morris, here with Ryan Phillips and Andy Bottoms here on this edition of the Assembly Call IU Postgame Show. And let's start tonight's show as we start every show, and that is with our Hoosier Proud banner moment. You know, very hard to find positives in this game, although Ryan does think that he uh, has a positive, uh, which we'll get to in his opening statement. And there were, you know, a few micro positives here and there. But, you know, the only thing that I could really come up with for the banner moment is that at the under-16 minute timeout in the second half, I decided to go take a look back at the 2015 game against Duke, the last time we played here when they blew our doors off that game too. Uh, That game, the final score was 94-74. to Duke scored 1.52 points per possession that game. Uh, Really, it felt like that season was falling apart. And I was reminded that in the aftermath of that awful effort, Indiana won 12 straight games. In fact, they won 14 out of 15, and the one loss was an overtime loss at the Kohl Center. And that team ended up winning the Big Ten. And so, you know, look, there obviously aren't straight parallels. That team had an all-time great point guard and and Yogi Ferrell that it could lean on. And, you know, guys like OG Ananobi who stepped up in the second half of the season. And there's a lot for this team to prove to say that they can do that. But all I know is I'm taking at least some solace on this night, this very disappointing night, that the last time this happened to us, it became kind of a galvanizing force that the team was able to rally with, rally from, and they went on a winning streak. And boy, they better rally with it. Because I think after that game, Indiana played like Moorhead State or somebody and kind of had a few games against poor competition to get their legs back under them. They don't have that luxury now with games against Northwestern and Penn State and Louisville and Butler coming up. So whatever lessons need to be taken from this uh, need to be taken fast because the Hoosiers have uh, the rest of this five-game gauntlet coming up and they need to win some of these games. And they're going to have to play a whole lot better than they did tonight to be able to do that. All right, tonight's Hoosier Proud banner moment, as always, brought to you by Hoosier Proud and Home Field. At homefieldapparel.com, you will find the comfiest and most unique licensed IU apparel. And at hoosierproud.com, you will find State of Indiana-themed apparel, as well as our official Assembly Call logo shirts. And both brands, Hoosier Proud and Home Field Apparel, were started by an IU grad, and all apparel at both sites is designed and printed out of Indianapolis. And with Christmas on the way... 
you should definitely consider finding the perfect holiday gift for the IU fan or Indiana resident in your life at homefieldapparel.com or hoosierproud.com. Plus, Indiana's birthday is coming up, so start picking out your favorite Indiana tees and get ready for Hoosier Proud's Indiana birthday sale on December 11th. Get a brother, get some coupons. Yes. Don't forget to use the promo code assembly at checkout today for 15% off your order on either site. That's promo code assembly at HoosierProud.com and homefieldapparel.com. All righty. Well, it is time to move the ball, find the open man, and get some opening thoughts from the rest of our team. And we will start with Andy Bottoms, your bottoms line on this Indiana defeat. Well, I think it's hard to categorize this as anything other than disappointing, not because IU lost, which I think was an expected outcome for for the vast majority of IU fans, but the way in which they played uh, really when the game mattered and when, you know, Duke was interested in the game. As, you know, as Ryan mentioned, he was about as interested in the second half as Duke appeared to be defensively, and I think that's a pretty apt way to put it. So even the fact that IU outscored him in the second half doesn't really mean a great deal when you put it into that context, but... You know, the first half, 13 turnovers, four assists, um, just, and so many of the turnovers were careless. I mean, Duke was pressing, but not really, to me, more just to, it wasn't the pressure that forced the turnovers. It was just carelessness, by and large. And and I think that's what's disappointing, because when you put that into the context of the, the prior couple games, those were the themes that were there, and those were the things that worried you. And against a team that really wasn't that you know, didn't come in that good defensively, um, you know, to really come out and play that way in a tough environment. You know, they played themselves out of the game so quickly, uh, got way behind early, played played fairly even kind of in the middle portions of the first half and then just got blitzed before uh, halftime. You know, I think a 13-point lead at the under-four timeout turned into a 24-point deficit at halftime. And, you know, just pretty much everything that, that could go wrong did. Juwan got in early foul trouble. Romeo shot the ball really poorly. I couldn't finish around the basket. Um, you know, couldn't couldn't secure rebounds when even when they did force a miss, it, it was, uh, you know, pretty much a collective disaster uh, in the first half. And so, whatever you think of the second half, and there are probably some positives to take away from that, despite you know Duke's kind of lack of interest in the game uh, at that point. It, it just you know when the game really mattered, when it was in the balance, this team didn't respond in a tough environment and. Uh, you know, things don't get any, you know, any easier with the stretch they have coming up and, and they've got to get some things figured out with the turnovers and, and transition defense, which has been something else that Archie's harped on. That was pretty poor in the first half as well. So uh, not a lot of positives to uh, to really take away from my perspective uh, tonight, other than that the game finally came to a merciful conclusion and the two hour long pr- promo for Duke's basketball program has now come to an end. Hmm. Good. Go watch more on ESPN plus where you can see Coach K say yo a bunch of times. Oh, boy. Uh, All right, let's go over to Ryan for his rant. You know, Ryan, this is the last time that we allow the team to listen to your preview before the game. I think you psyched him out. I I mean, Jared, you were there on Banner Monday. Was I right in everything that I said about Duke? And was I right about everything that happened and what Indiana struggled with? I think the number one thing they struggled with was the length of those guys, the quickness, the athleticism. Just some, it's just things that Indiana can't match on a physical level, but Indiana shouldn't feel bad about that because there's 90% of the teams out there, 90, 95% of the teams can't match what Duke can do uh, from, a, from a physicality standpoint, from an athleticism standpoint, especially at this time of year when you're not really all there as a team yet and, and they can just out-athlete like out you, essentially. The guys come in waves for Duke. And right, I think that 
the one positive you can take away. And I said before that we went on the air, I said, guys, I have a positive. I, I know I'm usually the, the guy who comes on here and rants and gets angry or throws things, but I, I have a positive and it's that we're never, we're not going to, Indiana is not going to face a better team than that the rest of the year. That's the best they're going to see all year. Maybe not from a team standpoint, but from a matchup standpoint, that's a horrible matchup for IU. That is as talented a team as there is in the country. That's as talented a team as there's been in the country since Kentucky was almost undefeated a few years ago. And before that, you got to go a long way back to find a more talented team. That is three of the four top draft picks in the 2019 NBA draft were on that floor tonight, as as far as it looks right now. Uh, Indiana's not going to face that the rest of the year. So the rest of the year, it's about Indiana's execution. It's not about just getting outmanned by a team. And the sad part was, is that the execution wasn't there tonight. In a, in a night where, hey, you want to hang in this game for a while, you got to execute. Well, they turned the ball over 20 times. They turned, I think it was 13 in the first half. Uh, Justin Smith had five on his own in the first half. I mean, Justin Smith's a very talented player. And I thought that, you know what? He went toe to toe with Zion Williams. I mean, Zion beat him, but he, he at least was willing to engage and go toe to toe with him on, on, you know, for about the first 10 minutes of the game. And they start turning the ball over and he wilted and you can't do that. You just can't, when you're going up against a guy like that, you got to punch him back when he punches you. And, uh, I, I realized that not everything went well. They didn't shoot it well. They hit 14 of 25 free throws, which is becoming an ongoing problem. They missed a ton of easy layups early on. They, As Andy said, they played themselves out of the game. Duke is good enough. You don't need to help them. And Duke would have won this game, I think, if Indiana played the way that Duke played. If Indiana played really well, they probably still lose a close one. Uh but to just get run out of the building in the first half like that was embarrassing. And hopefully these guys are embarrassed by it. And in being embarrassed by it, they realize what they have to work on because you can't just turn the ball over like that. Two thirds of those turnovers were unforced errors or they were just throwing it into space and nobody was there or they're dribbling it out of bounds. I mean, Evan Fitzner, you know what, Evan, just shoot the ball. Don't, don't try and dribble through a press, please, ever again. Because that was just silly, and he dribbles it right out of bounds, and that, that's a that's a grad transfer doing that. You can't lose your head in a situation like that. What's going to happen when they go play, you know, somewhere tough on the road? I know they don't go to the Cole Center this year, but what, like Michigan State on the road? I mean, you've got to be composed, and they lost their composure, and they played themselves out of the game before it even had a chance to get going, and that was that was really the disheartening part. So what I'll say is they're not going to face a more talented team this year. That is an absolute fact. On, the, on their schedule, there is not a more talented team than Duke. The key is going to be execution now. They've got to execute if they're going to win games. This team isn't Duke where they cannot execute for two-thirds of a game and then make a crazy comeback like Duke did against Gonzaga and almost win that thing. This is a team that needs to execute to win. And quite frankly, we saw some really bad stuff tonight that needs to get cleaned up. And as you said, as Andy said, needs to get cleaned up in a hurry. Yeah, it, it does. <sighs> You know, we can talk about some of the individuals coming up, but I guess, you know, just on a macro level, you know, I think, Ryan, it's a good point. You know, you don't, there's only so much you can take away from a game like this projecting forward because Indiana won't face an opponent like this. So, well, so well, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, okay, hold on. You know, so we're not going to overreact just to that. But I do think it's fair. A lot of the reactions that I'm seeing from folks that are disappointed are because what we saw tonight in the first half was basically all the bad stuff and the bad habits that we've seen since Arkansas just on steroids because you're against a team that's going to make you pay for every single one. 
And so I think that's where the concern comes is it's the turnovers, the lackadaisical decision-making, you know, the lackadaisical plays and kind of a team that seems doesn't seem to have great chemistry, like doesn't seem to have great togetherness, a, a, a great, you know, I don't know. Like, I mean, we saw, you know, Jawan Morgan kind of be the rudder against UC Arlington or UT Arlington and UC Davis. But, you know, he obviously wasn't able to do that tonight. And so I, so I guess what I'm saying here is how concerned should we be? We don't want to take too too much from this because we won't play a team like Duke. But how concerned should we be for these four games coming up that right now this is a team that just looks – I mean, they look like a team kind of in disarray that was talented enough to take advantage of it in these last two home games. But now those things that you could kind of wave away is like, ah, okay, you know, this is one game. Now it's been four straight games, and this team is kind of revealing who it is and not – None of us are happy about it, but you know, I, I don't, I don't really know what to say about it. It feels real right now. A couple things. One, if this game happened in March, I'd have a much different attitude about losing to Duke like this. I mean, right now, things are in flux for both teams. There's some differences between them uh, and who they're going to be at the end of the season and all that. One thing I will say about this, though, is Indiana was supposed to have some veteran guys who have missed a few weeks. That's a huge factor when you have such a young team. Rob Finnessy is not supposed to be your primary ball handler for 30 minutes a game. That That's just... Demise Anderson is not supposed to be out there. I know he wasn't as much tonight, but in the last few games, out there 20 minutes a game. Deron Davis was supposed to be eased back in, not playing, what, like 25 minutes against Arkansas? I mean, those things were not supposed to happen this early and have been thrust upon this team because of injuries, because of whatever else. The problem with where they're at right now, health-wise, and, and look, it's it was great to get Zach McRoberts and Devontae Green back. I know neither one of them played amazingly well, but we'll just to be expected. I mean, yeah, we'll just write that off as for those guys and Duke in Cameron. So what I'll say is the problem is if you have a guy like Justin Smith who's struggling offensively and turning the ball over five times in the first half you would like to be able to go to a guy like Race Thompson and throw him in there, a guy who can go inside out and do some different things. He's out with a concussion. Race is a guy you would have liked to get in the first few games of this season, get him acclimated, get him some playing time, and have him ready to go for Big Ten season. Now we don't know when he's going to come back, how he's going to fit in, how they're going to work him in. I mean, this team is, there's a lot of problems there. Evan Fitzner hasn't played the way he played in the first couple games. Um, you know, where, where is his, you know, where, what's his role going to be moving forward? Especially if a guy like race does come back, does he take some of his minutes? Does race make, you know, more, uh, move more to the outside a little bit. I, we don't know a lot about this team. And a lot of that has to do with the health of the team and the health of the team has been very bad. Uh, you know, they're just not healthy and they need to get healthy. And I don't know where on the schedule you get healthy because it gets really tough right now. And and honestly, if it's at a point where you're not super healthy, play your guys for the Big Ten games and then sit them for the others. I don't care. Get this team healthy because if it's not healthy and the guys don't figure out their roles early enough, we could be talking about problems with a disjointed roster in mid-January as opposed to late November. Andy? Yeah, I do think the, I do think the injuries have played a part in it. You just saw guys not trusting where other players were supposed to be on the floor. I mean, that's how you end a half with four assists. I mean, there was very little that was happening within the flow of offensive sets or any kind of cohesive offensive attack. Part of that was they got sped up and made poor decisions, but part of it was 
when things really boiled down, nobody really trusted each other to be in the right spot. Or when they did, they threw the ball away. I mean, there was one where, you know, Fitzner keeps rolling to the basket. Justin Smith assumes he's going to be there. Justin Smith gets credit or, you know, that turnover goes against him. But Fitzner basically like stopped on a cut right to the rim when nobody's in the middle of the lane. And then they just kind of stare at each other after the play, wondering why they didn't do what the other one thought they were going to do. Um, so I think that's part of it. Uh, how much of it, we don't know. This is not, you know, the game, the environment, the anything really to try to figure out how you reacclimate pieces and try to figure out, you know, try to figure out what your rotations are really going to be. We know based on who was available at the start of the season, McRoberts would be a starter. He clearly wasn't able to play those minutes tonight. What we don't know is, you know, if game one, if, if Devonte green's ready to go, is he a starter? We, we don't, we don't really know that. So, um, and then add to that, Juwan going out with foul trouble in the first half and, you know, things are careening off a cliff within the first four minutes of the game. Uh, when you know, you can't lose him. Now, Archie did to his credit, bring him back in at various points to try to kind of steal minutes with him periodically over the course of the half. But, uh, you know, I think things just got, got off the rails so quickly that it, it becomes a little bit difficult. I think it is concerning because the mistakes are the same. Um, and, and they're not at a point in the schedule right now that is going to be conducive to like, you can't work through stuff on the court in big 10 games in, uh, you know, in games against major conference teams, but that's kind of the situation that they're in, whether they want to be or not. So they've got to figure out how to do that. It, it certainly wasn't the optimal scenario for that tonight. So we may finally get to figure out what the rotation for this team is going to be, but even then you don't have race Thompson back, but you know, you can at least start to see that come together and maybe guys get a little more comfortable playing together. But I, I, there's definitely some of that. I don't know if that's lack of chemistry or just lack of time um, being with one another, but um, it's kind of the hand they're dealt at this point. You gotta, yeah, you well, gotta the chemistry really develops with time. I mean, that that's just the way it works is the more time you're on the floor. We saw it with defensive switches too. I mean, early on against Marquette, you were seeing guys switch pretty much on every uh, screen. Tonight, it was kind of disjointed because a couple guys who were on the floor hadn't been in there much. So you just saw yeah. a disjointed team. There just wasn't a lot of communication, especially yeah. early either. Yeah. And and that was obvious. Yeah. I mean, and maybe it's, you know, tonight felt hopeless, you know, and the rest of the season isn't hopeless by any means, but it is concerning. You know, that's uh, th this game and the past three have really highlighted some things that this team is going to have to fix or, well, let's, I don't really want to consider that alternative right now. They'll All right. Fix it. Uh, I'm confident they'll fix it. Coming up, we continue our breakdown of Indiana's loss to Duke. I'll point out tonight's meaningful moment you might have missed, and then we'll go inside the numbers to highlight the most important statistical notes from that game. I hope that segment is short. You're listening to the Assembly Call. Stick with us. You're listening to the Assembly Call IU postgame show. I'm Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms and Ryan Phillips, and we are breaking down Indiana's 90-69 to loss to Duke tonight in Durham. It is time for tonight's meaningful moment that you might have missed. You know, it's, it's difficult to pick out moments uh, from this game because Indiana got its doors blown off so early. But I did think that there were, you know, and how many turnovers is in the first half? 13? You know, I thought there were a couple turnovers in particular that really just killed any chance for Indiana to build any momentum. One came when it was 26 to 13. There were about nine minutes to go. And Romeo just, he had a great block shot. And, and they showed this highlight two or three times. Al Durham's leading transition. It was three on one, maybe four on one. 
And for the life of me, I don't know what Al was thinking. He could have just taken it to the basket and scored, but he throws it out of bounds. Indiana doesn't score. It, you know, it was just yet another example of, of Indiana kind of playing tentative and just, you know, not being prepared for the moment. And, and, and that seemed like such a simple basketball play to make. But by that point, they were so out of sorts that they were making plays like this. And it would have cut it to 11. And really, it would have built a little bit of momentum for Indiana. Instead, of course, Duke goes down the other way and scores. And that little bit of momentum is gone. Something similar happened at about the four-minute mark where it's 36 to 24. Again, you've built just a little bit of momentum. You've kind of stemmed the tide. And Robert Finnessy had a terrible turnover. And we'll talk about his play because that was one of the more disappointing elements of this game. Just, I mean, and this was just one of those like brain dead Crean era passes where, you know, you're out on the perimeter and you just throw it right to the guy. Zion steals it, windmill dunk, it's 38 24. And Duke would proceed then to go on a huge run to end the first half that absolutely killed any chance Indiana had of doing anything in the second half. So, you know, Andy, you know, meaningful moments. You could probably pick out all 13 of those turnovers in the first half because they're absolutely what killed, you know, any chance Indiana had. But I thought in particular because of the timing and just how egregious and unforced the turnovers were, those two really stuck out to me. Yeah, the one with Al, I think, was emblematic of you saw a team that pretty quickly uh, lost its its will, desire, whatever you want to say, to really go inside and attack the basket. They missed a lot of shots in the lane early on, and then I think got spooked a little bit between that and some of the uh, you know some of the block shots and, and things like that. And then instead of trying to make simple plays and and take shots that really were there, moving toward the rim, that they kind of overpassed and passed out at times that was just not, you know, they had better shots. They passed up good shots to get a worse shot. Um, and so I, I think that one, that one was bad. The fantasy one, I know what you're talking about, but it was another case where, I mean, the terms just came in bunches. I mean, you had four in the first three and a half minutes of the game, and then you had, you know, four more in the next two and a half minutes of the game. And then you had, you know, three within a minute and a half, late in the second half and it was no different to start the second half you know very first possession you have a turnover they turned it over five times in the first you know four minutes and 11 seconds of the of the second half and the reality is they had 19 of the 20 turnovers within 27 minutes of game time so if they only had one turnover the last 13 minutes again you can credit that a little bit to you know kind of def- you know the way that the duke started to defend and things like that at that point. But it was just, you know, same same thing that I feel like we used to say so often that they just snowballed and it was just one after the other after the other. Um, and it was a team that got sped up and and all of a sudden nobody really had the confidence to make plays except on the occasion when some guys would have too much confidence. The You know, the Justin Smith makes a good play and then takes a rebound off the rim and tries to dribble the length of the court thinking that nobody's going to step in front of him at some point. You know, so you had some of the turnovers where I think guys were like scared to go up and and really make a... You, you know, make a contested shot at the rim and then others where there's really no chance you're going to be able to make the play that you're trying to make. And, and there was really no rudder steadying things in between to be able to to kind of balance those between, you know, being aggressive, but still being smart. Ryan, the other moment that stood out to me, and you might laugh at this and you might say that this is nothing, but it was it was in between the the first media timeout and the second media timeout in the first half. And they had a shot of Archie on the bench and it, it kind of lingered on him for a little while three four seconds and he just looked like a deer in headlights like oh my god what the hell is this you know what what are we supposed to do and look we all kind of felt that way but 
and again, maybe it's nothing. But as we often say, you know, teams kind of take on the personality of their head coach. And and uh, look, we've been very, I think, positive about Archie. And you even said earlier, you think he's going to get this figured out. And I'm not saying that, that I don't have confidence in him anymore. But this did look like a team early in the game that wasn't prepared for the moment, almost like they didn't know what was coming. And maybe that's because you can't prepare for that kind of length and athleticism. But I was disappointed, and I thought that shot was kind of emblematic of it, symbolic of a team that felt really unprepared and a coach that even in that moment as it was all unraveling was kind of like, what the heck is going on here? So maybe I'm reading way too much into three or four seconds on the camera, but that moment certainly kind of captured, I think, how how everybody felt. And I would have liked to, I guess, just seen something a little bit more confidence-inducing um, over there on the sidelines while that was going on. I think you're reading too much into it. I mean, right, love fine. you, buddy, but I think you're reading too much into it. He was probably, you know, he could have been listening for something, and that could have been the dead, you know, look no. on his face. He was listening or, you know, I mean, who knows? We don't know. We're not down there. But I, I would say he didn't have any answers tonight. And that's fair enough right. to that's say. What, yeah, I mean, that's basically what I'm but, saying. I mean, I don't think it was because of a look in the camera. I think it was because of who he was playing. No, it's what it, the look symbolized. That's yeah. that's what I'm saying. Yeah, okay, go digging, Morris. It's in the backyard. I have a mad crush on Archie Miller. and Coach isn't buying it. No. Look, it, I mean, it, it was what it was tonight. It, it, you know, sometimes you are just walking into a bear's mouth. That's just the way it is with the schedule when you get this set up. I mean, you're just blindly walking and you're going to get mauled that's just what it is and quite frankly if if duke pulls off their comeback against gonzaga and maui maybe this isn't as bad tonight but they came out focused and ready to go and zion williamson was looking to kill somebody i mean that's just that that's what it was because he stumbled a little in maui and people were talking about these guys read you know the nba draft boards and everything and you know I mean, it is what it is. When they announced Cameron on the schedule, Duke at Cameron for a team that's going to be really young, we all knew they were going to lose this game. Now, yes, lose, but not get the doors would blown. You, like I get, I, 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 I'm woman Morris. Would no, you I'm not. No, no, because I'm not. I'm not. No, because I'm not buying what you're. I'm, I'm not buying this you don't even right know now. What I was going to say. No, I'm. I'm responding to what you just said. And I'm yeah, just, and I'm, I'm not, I'm not buying it because yes, this was tough. It's walking into a bear's mouth or whatever weird metaphor that you used right there. But, <laughs> but what I'm saying is, do. yeah, but what I'm saying is if you're walking you, around in the dark in a forest, what are you going to, what's going to happen? But you're what I'm saying is, but okay. But here's the thing. The biggest disappointment was the lack of kind of like fight I was getting and, there. and we're not going to take this. And that's what I'm saying is we didn't see that from the leadership on down tonight. That's the and disappointment. I was getting there. I was going to say. It, losing isn't the problem. It's the way they lost. That's what I was going to say. And that's what's disheartening. And when, as I said, it, well, as I was going to say before I was so rudely interrupted, oh. when we circled this on the calendar, we knew probably, okay, you're going to go down to Durham playing a Duke team with three of the four top recruits in the country, and you're going to lose. But it's about how you play, and it's about how you I mean, now the loss is in the rearview mirror. It's not about the loss anymore. It's about what you do next. How do you play on Saturday? How do you come back from this? I mean, does this team just completely refocus and lock in and say, all right, we're not going to do that ever again because we don't like the way it feels? Or do they mope? Do they have issues? Do they still turn the ball over 20 times a game? I mean, it, it, it's really the loss is over. The Duke game's over and it doesn't matter because you know, it's not something to dwell on, quite frankly. We all know we lost. We all know they play bad. I'm sure we'll talk about statistics and stuff in a minute, but it's not really about that now. It's about 
okay, what happens next? And, and, it, and, you know, the look on Archie's face, I don't care what it was during the game. I care what, what it is tomorrow when he gets their butts into practice and, and they watch film on this. I, I, I really, I, I think that it's just going to be about how they respond. And if a team comes out lack, you know, looking lackadaisical and awful on Saturday, okay, then there's, there's reason for concern. Um, we keep if, pushing the concern off, though, is what I'm saying. And I'm not I'm not I trying to overreact, but year, don't judge him till early January. But you won't listen to me. Um, but by, no, the, I'm, by, by the way, in the chat, everybody's appreciating your optimism. So well, I mean, I'm we, not we, even we, role like reversal. I'm just I'm just where I was three weeks ago. I understand this team's had injuries. They've been playing. I mean, what I saw the last two the last week and a half when I finally caught up on those games because I couldn't watch them live. When I finally what I saw was a tired team. That's what I saw after the Arkansas game. Those next two games, that was a tired team. It was guys playing way more minutes than they were supposed to. It was guys in roles they aren't supposed to be in, and they they wore down. And that happens when you have guys injured. And as Andy said, you know, I don't know if it's chemistry or what, but a lot of these guys aren't used to being on the floor together because they haven't gotten a chance to be. You're supposed to get your injuries out of the way in the preseason. This team, this team has had to do them in the non-conference. That's not a recipe for looking your best when you go play in the Big Ten ACC Challenge. I, this team, I'm still not going to judge them harshly until January. If they're blowing games like this in January, okay, you're going to hear some some anger from me. But for me right now, it's about building now, and I want them to start after this because I knew we all knew this was going to look bad. Well, I did at least. You were kind of you know optimistic. Um, I... It, for me, it's about how they build from this and how they build over the next couple of weeks and looking better each game and cleaning things up every game. This to me, and I, I told Ken Sterling today, this is this is almost like a one game season or, you know, like like a it's an anomaly because it means absolutely nothing unless you beat Duke on their home floor. It means absolutely nothing to you. It's not a bad loss. It's not going to hurt you. And it's not, you know, it's almost like it doesn't matter on the schedule. So it to me, put it out there build on everything else you had and 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 move forward. Now, there's some concerning things. I'm not saying there aren't, but you've got to move forward and and it's about what they do on Saturday, not what they did in Durham tonight. So, uh, so the only part that I would I would, I'll jump in with two things. One, you know, so Alex Boses tweeted this out on post-game radio, Archie Miller says lack of organization for IU tonight is on him and the coaching staff, which is is interesting like to use the word organization, but be that as it may. I guess what I would say is while I don't believe anyone expected IU to win this game, if you just showed the score to me and said IU lost by 21 and I didn't watch the game, I, I could kind of shrug my shoulders at that and, and make it pretty easy to say, eh, self-environment, which was insane, didn't, didn't play well, didn't whatever. I think the, the, I think the concerning part, if you want to be concerned, is the way that they played to lose the way that they did. They could have had Duke played the way they played in the first half and IU played the way it did in the first half, which really wasn't that much different. IU could have lost by 50. Yes. You left a ton of points at the rim. And that is the IU could have had 30 turnovers. That's the problem. Now, what happens from here? We don't really know. But I think that's where that's where I think concern is legitimate in that sense, not that they lost, but how they lost and how they look doing it. And so, you know, in two weeks when they've had a few of these other tough games and maybe it's a different conversation, but I think it's reasonable to have your guard up at this point for, for the way that they've, for the way that they've played. I will say another memorable moment to bring this back to a, a positive uh, was the fact that Zach McGrath, Zach McRoberts seemed willing to 
take a charge on Zion Williamson at one point in the first half, which I applaud that young man for, for that kind of courage because I, uh, he w- he might actually walk right into a bear's mouth then based on, to, you know, guys, that, guys, he was, he understand. was willing to do it. Other guys were Fitzner actively like moved out of, the out way. of his way. The yeah. Cause he's a sane as, human being like, as a person who San Diego guy. Life. But uh, yeah, so we do have that. So Zach has uh, proven proven to us his uh, his toughness. But I I'm have sure. to tell you guys, yeah. being on like standing next to Zion Williamson, you don't he you think he looks big on TV? You have no idea. He is enormous. And there was during the the first game of the Maui Invitational for Duke was against San Diego State, and there was a San Diego State fan sitting right behind me. I was on press row, guy maybe two rows up. Zion leads the break one time and some dude screams out, take a charge. And everyone on press just started laughing. Like, no, don't take it. We want you to live. Like it was, I mean, I'd rather jump in front of a train than Zion Williamson with a full head of steam. All right. Well, look, we're 14 minutes into this segment. We haven't even gotten to inside the numbers. The lack of organization here clearly on me. Uh, I, I take full responsibility for that. You're the host. And, it's your fault for engaging Ryan in that argument. <laughs> And yeah. not just agreeing with me and moving on. No, well, you, know, you know what? It's not. That needed to be pushed back against. And it, it, I, right. I will say, most of, the, most of the people in the chat mob are agreeing with and appreciating Ryan's take. And, and given, given a little bit of time to sit back and, and allow this game to wash over me, I acknowledge that some of what you're saying probably holds some truth to it. But I think it is perfectly fine to have some legitimate concern about what we saw here and not just about the execution but also just what the guys looked like. Like, I just, I don't know. I'm like, I'm sick of, you know, just going into Duke and just expecting it to go poorly. Like, we're Indiana. You know, at some point we need to go in here and expect to to see a, you know, a professional effort for 40 minutes. And I realize the use of the word professional there is very ironic and yada, yada, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, this just looked... It looked high schoolish, you know, to use one of coaches' terms. And that's just that's just what I'm concerned about. So, you know, again, hopefully we look back on this. As I said in the banner moment, the last time this happened, we won 14 out of 15. Hopefully this serves as the same kind of galvanizing force. Andy, do we even need to talk about the numbers? I mean, we talked about the turnovers, like 20 turnovers. Indiana shoots 14 of 25 from the free throw line. So that continues to be a problem. You know, I, you know I, I think early on, you know, the turnovers led to, I think at halftime, it was 19 Duke points off the 13 turnovers. And they had outscored on points off turnovers, it was 19 to zero. So you take something that one IU had done well and had been something that really, you know, bolstered them early in the season and turned it on its head, it, it, the complete opposite. You know, points off turnovers ended up 24 to seven uh, in Duke's favor with the 20 turnovers. It was 21 nothing at one point, right? Was that the. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think it was. I mean, the assist numbers were bad in the first half. That got better in the second half. Nine assists on fourteen makes in the second half. Again, people in the chat are begging us not to talk about numbers. By the way, what is is Ryan also in the chat? He loves to talk about numbers. <laughs> you had ten shots blocked. Got yeah, we should stop talking about this. But we're really walking into the bear's mouth talking about these yeah. numbers. <laughs> so really, I I will say right. It, the, you want proof that numbers lie. IU out rebounded Duke forty to thirty seven and I, I beat them in offensive rebounds seventeen to twelve. It sure didn't feel like it. Although yeah, that exactly. Was, although there were stretches early in the game when IU missed point blank shots. I mean, I, they they showed a stat at one point that IU in the lane I think was nine of twenty three. I can't see that on the box score that I'm looking at, but I mean, that was one thing. The two point shooting was not good 
period. But but around the rim, they really struggle. And part of that, you give credit to Duke for their you know length, athleticism, all those kinds yeah. of things. But just a really as something the team struggled with last year, um, you know, struggled early in this game, and then I think that led to some of those those cases where you know they were actively choosing to not take shots at the rim. Um, yeah, for for fear of getting them rejected and things like that. But no, I don't think we need to probably belabor uh, any of the numbers. I mean, the turnovers was was the big one. I mean that that just everything kind of went downhill uh, at that point, and um, you know, both teams shot free throws poorly. So that was uh, yeah. That thank was goodness Duke point. missed a bunch of their free throws. Yeah. All right. Um, there was a minute and nine seconds apparently where the game was tied though. So Ryan is now look, pasting look positive comments from the chat mob in our private chat. Yep. This is this is where this has gone to. All right, we gotta get out of this segment. Oh <laughs> All right. Uh, coming up coming up on the assembly call. Tweets again. Uh, I know it's it's coming. Uh, we continue our breakdown of Indiana's twenty one point loss to Duke. We'll talk about the rest of the stuff. That's next here on the assembly call. Stick with us. You're listening to the Assembly Call IU postgame show. Catch us live immediately following every IU basketball game, plus every Thursday night at our website, assemblycall.com. And while you're there, make sure that you subscribe to our email newsletter so that you get our weekly six-banner Sunday news roundups and our postgame analysis emails that are sent the morning after every game. Over 6,000 IU fans are on the list. Join them at assemblycall.com. I'm Jared Morris. I'm here with Andy Bottoms and Ryan Phillips, and we are breaking down Indiana's 90 to 69 loss to Duke. So, guys, let's just let's hit some of the other storylines that we haven't talked about. We haven't spent a lot of time talking about individuals tonight, just because the overall team effort was so bad. So, you know, why I, would you? Well, I mean, you know, I think there are a few performances that are notable that stand out. I, to me, the biggest one is Rob Finnessy, who, you know, in Guys that I talked to that kind of followed recruiting, you know, everybody had a high opinion of Rob and I think expected him to be a solid player coming in. But I think the one place where he struggled in high school and I think why his ranking wasn't so high is because he really struggled against some of the top competition, like some of the upper tier players in the class. And I think we saw that tonight. You know, look, he would not be the first freshman to come into a place like this and look a little overwhelmed and struggle. You know, to his credit, I thought he was more composed in the second half. Of course, the caveat being that Duke had really kind of called off the dogs by then. You know, but in the first half, for a guy who we lauded early on in the season, and it's still early in the season, but through the first few games for really never getting sped up and kind of dictating the pace, he really got sped up tonight and was really tentative passing the ball. So I was pleased to see him come back and make some positive plays in the second half because I think that'll help his confidence. But I think maybe some of those early performances you know, and our our zeal to finally get the answer to the point guard position, you know, maybe we kind of projected him being a little bit more ready for these moments than he is. He's still a freshman. He's going through some, you know, some learning. So it doesn't it doesn't change my confidence in him long term, but it does make me a little bit, you know, concerned as we go into some of the tougher road environments in the Big Ten that, you know, ball handling and guard play against really good defensive teams and pressure environments is still an issue for this team. We won't face one like tonight. But, you know, we showed tonight that we are not yet ready to handle that level of pressure. Yeah, I, I mean, that's why this is exactly why I predicted that Devontae Green would be the starting point guard at the beginning of the year. Not because Devontae is light years better than Rob, but because he's 
a veteran and Rob played like a freshman in the first half tonight, the second half I, people. And I've seen people in the chat saying like, Oh, coach K called off the dogs. You said they called off the dog. They didn't call off the dogs. They just knew they had the game one and played disinterested. Yeah. And, coach and, K was throwing his jacket. I mean, yeah. So let's not say yeah. that like, Oh, he was throwing his jacket guys. <laughs> Yo. Yo. Uh, but let's not, let's not say that like, you know, Duke, you know, it was being nice to, I saw somebody in the chat say they were being nice to Archie or what are you talking about? They wanted to score a hundred. They wanted to, but what but their defensive was, pressure was clearly of, a lot of less. course, That's, because yeah. the, the players were disinterested. I mean, they were up by, what was it? What was the, what was the score at the half? It was almost 24 30, and a half. I mean, yeah, it was 24 at the half. They knew it was over. They scored 53 points and held Indiana to 29. They knew the game was over. They came out after halftime trying to, throw alley-oops and make great crazy plays and have fun they weren't executing on a high level i mean how many times did they turn the ball over in like the first five minutes i mean it looked like both teams were just throwing the ball out of bounds um so let's not act like duke was just you know oh yeah go ahead have a layup guys see if we care no they were they just were disinterested and that's what happens with young players yeah so rob refocusing in the second half is a positive because Yes, it's it not is. like it's not like Trey Jones was just like, yeah, do whatever you want, man. I'm just going to wait till I get the ball. I mean, that's not how it was. Uh, but I will agree with you. I think that it's he played like a freshman at night. And I thought at times Romeo played like a freshman. Romeo was the best player on the floor for Indiana tonight. But I thought he played like a freshman. And, and I thought that he was forcing a lot of stuff. I thought defensively he did a pretty nice job when he was on Barrett and Reddish. I mean, as well as you can be expected to do against the two guys who were going to be in the picked in the top four in the NBA draft. Yeah. Um, and, and I thought that again, Justin Smith, it, it, I thought he got his shoulders slumped after about 10 minutes, but I thought for the first 10 minutes defensively, at least he was like, he welcomed the challenge of Zion. He was Williamson. competing early on. Yeah. He welcomed the challenge of Zion Williamson, but Zion Williamson just, I mean, the guy's six, seven two eighty five, and as a 48 inch vertical, there's not in feet like a dancer there's nothing you can really do to stop him especially when you're not 300 pounds um so uh, you know uh, there's just nothing you can do and he, he got sort of disheartened by it which is understandable zion williams will steal your soul i i thought i thought fantasy early on they really attacked him on both ends of the floor um you know you can you know, say what you want about officiating, which was by no means a difference in this game, but they basically dared the officials to call hand check fouls and, and things like that on the ball early in the game. And they didn't do it. And they really got into him and, and forced him to make some, make some plays that seemed uncharacteristic of him uh, early, early on in the game. And they really forced him to guard on the other end because there really wasn't, you know, that's what makes Duke really hard to, to, to defend in addition to the talent. It's just, who would you, you know, you really have no choice but to put him on Trey Jones. You might really want somebody else on Trey Jones to begin with, but you, you can't afford to put him on Barrett or Reddish um, based on his size. So what do you really, um, what do you really do? So I just thought they, they really made him uncomfortable early and made a point to go at him on both ends and it, it rattled him a little bit, but he did rebound um, going back from there. The, the Justin Smith point I think is, is fair. I thought he, I was really impressed with him uh, early in the game, I do think he embraced the challenge of it. But then a couple of turnovers later, he kind of slumps his shoulders, doesn't run back down the court. And I think he got yanked at that point. And out, he didn't play a great deal in the second half. I thought it was a little bit more of what we saw in the Arkansas game where he struggled to finish around the basket and then just kind of things things snowballed for him from there. Um, 
you know, so you liked what you saw in, in spots, but, uh, it, it was a challenge. So, uh, I think a learning moment for fantasy more than anything. And, you know, that's the challenge with Devontae being hurt. You really couldn't, he got put back in, but, uh, you know, just not really even probably fair to, to have him to, to feel like you have to rely on him for significant minutes. And so you just kind of had to, to roll through it. And I think, you know, fantasy is a, a you know a guy we all project as a four year, four year guy. Maybe even a four year starter will probably look back on this and be able to handle this kind of situation a whole lot better in a few years. That's one of the ones that I, I don't give him too much of a, a hard time on on that. Yeah, honestly. Yeah, I mean, look, if you're relying on a freshman, you know, who was not a five star recruit in a pressure situation like this, you're going to get what you get to a certain extent. And you know, maybe certain people who had higher hopes than others coming into this game should have recognized that. I'll point, to, point yeah. to, I'll point to myself for that. Um, so uh, the the other positive, I mean, I think you know, as, as you look at all the performances of all the guys, the one guy I think who stands out that I think we can be encouraged by is Deron Davis, who That's where and, I was going to. Yeah, and you know, I thought he had a couple of nice post moves, but what I thought more than anything is he just looked more athletic tonight than he's looked in a few games. You know, he was, you know, just the way that he was moving, he got a few rebounds kind of out of his area, even the ridiculous technical foul call, like that was still kind of an athletic play to get back there and jump. And he was able to kind of take some hits and some awkward falls and get up and didn't seem to be any worse for the wear. So look, he's going to be a, a really important piece for this team. And, there wasn't a lot to be encouraged about tonight, but I was encouraged by what we saw from Duran. You know, he played about 15 minutes, which seems about right. Probably can't handle any more than that. But I just thought he looked a little bit lighter on his feet and looked a little bit better. And so that's that's something encouraging that I'm taking uh, from tonight, Ryan. Yeah, and and you know, if he hits a couple more free throws, it looks even better. You know, and and that's again something you're gonna have to work on your legs or. He's still coming back from that. I don't know if he, he was never he wasn't a phenomenal free throw shooter, but he just it still looks very stiff when he's shooting free throws and that's not what it looked like last year so uh, i think that might be a symptom of just the legs all the way up and down you know need to get more acclimated to playing as much as he is um but yeah no i i agree i I thought that was impressive and i thought that maybe he was just flashing back to last year against duke when he got the ball in the post he's like i'm attacking like there's you know i did it last year and they didn't stop me and that was against wendell carter who was you know a lottery pick and Marcus Bolden you're not that and I'm going to go at you and and that looked you know he looked great at times uh I I do still think there's some stiffness running up and down the floor yeah uh, but he looked better and uh, I thought the best he looked was Arkansas obviously but of course he looked that way and then he come back and he's he's out the next game because of it so it's still early in his recovery I know people once you're out on the court people are want you thrown into it and want you back 100% there, he's not 100%, no matter what they tell you. An Achilles injury takes forever to come back from fully. It's even longer than an ACL, which is the one we all hear about you know, in, in basketball, and it's longer than that. And so I wouldn't expect him to look like he looked last year this season. I, I think it's going to take time. And uh, it, to me, it's amazing that he was out there to start the season. Yeah, and Because I said all offseason, I, I mean, I've known people with Achilles injuries that it's taken more than a year to get back out full. Archie made a good point about it this week too, that he's basically doing the last part of his rehab in season. You know, he should be doing this off season where he can rest and take some days off and that kind of thing. And you don't have that. The injury happened in January. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So I thought somebody asked in the chat, what was wrong with race Thompson? We hadn't mentioned he has a concussion concussion. Yeah. Yeah. 
And so they're going to take their time with that as they should. Uh, but Deron Davis is, you know, he's big for Indiana if he's back. And, and if he can get to a point where if he can give them 20 minutes a game where he can provide that post offense that only Jawan Morgan can provide so far, uh, that's huge for Indiana. And it gives Jawan a break where he can play out on the perimeter and maybe work outside in instead of having to, to post up all the time and take the pressure that comes there. And yeah, I think, I think Duran continues to be one of the, you know, kind of early season surprises from my perspective as a guy that was talked about as a potential, you know, does he, could he take a medical red shirt, things like that. Um, obviously those qu- questions were answered pretty quickly, but yeah, I, I really thought he was kind of the only guy that Duke didn't really have much of an answer for inside, which was a little bit, you know, it, it's similar to what you would have said last year. Now, obviously I, you couldn't get in the ball every time. He's not going to play enough minutes to really, um, do do as much as you might want him to, but he really felt like a guy who who they they struggled to match up with, which is not really something you could say about anybody else. Uh, I would say at this point, yeah. I mean, I thought the technical was kind of, you know, the one angle made it look like he gave him a shove. I think he just came down on him, and you know, the the other just the size difference between those guys is going to make it probably look worse than it is. But um, and he just kind of lands awkwardly every time, too. You know, like yeah. he just he's not yeah. graceful. And so yeah. I think that made that look worse than it is. Yeah. So, I, you know, I was impressed with him. I think, you know, Fitzner made some shots in the first half. I think he could, you know, this was a game though, as well as he shot the ball in the first half, played, you know, scored all 12 of his points before the break. You know, this was a game that exposed his weaknesses defensively, you know, kind of lack of physicality, athleticism, you know, he got man what, in. let's just say it on both ends of the floor. He did. Yeah. What, yeah. Whatever you, yeah. Whatever you think his deficiencies are that like, this was the game that would expose all of them. Um, and so that was really a challenge for him, but he at least provided some scoring at a point when nobody else could actually make shots. So, um, you know, so that was, you know, some kind of positive to take, but yeah, I thought, yeah, yeah I think Duran, if there is a, a bright spot to be had from this, it, it felt like it was him, uh, from my perspective. Great note here in the chat mob. Evan Stoll also just realized I have a final exam in Spanish tomorrow with all my grade. And I'm spending my time uh, talking uh, in the YouTube chat about Indiana basketball losing. Your priorities are in order, Evan. We applaud you. Losing by 21 at a blowout. Godspeed. Could have gone gone to bed three hours ago. We we applaud your choices. any other individuals? I, mean, I feel like we're kind of letting Jawan Morgan off the hook a little bit. You know, a game like this, you need your stars to come through. He gets two fouls early. You know, one of them I think was kind of debatable. You know, he only I has, know. you know, I mean, really debatable. Um, you know, he has eight points, four rebounds, three assists, had a nice little stretch in the second half, but, you know, for the most part was a non-factor tonight. And, you know, I, I think you, you see some of Juwan's limitations in games where the athletes, you know, or even when they're not quite at Duke's level, like he, he'll he have some trouble in games like this. Um, but I, I still think it's disappointing for him not to have been able to leave his imprint on the game, especially early when the team really needed a, a presence to settle him down. He really wasn't able to provide that. And you need that from your senior leader. So, you know, not a not, a, you know, so just not a good night from Juwan, basically. And we shouldn't let him off the hook because he's a senior and a lot's expected of him. Yeah, yeah, I think. Go ahead. Andy. I mean, I think. Yeah, I mean, you look. He and he and Romeo combined to be seven of twenty three from the floor for twenty one points. Um, and, and I think one of Juwan's fouls. It seems like it's been forever ago since it was there. But there were multiple times that off of made baskets, uh, Duke got runouts that led to either easy baskets for them or IU fouls. And I think one of his fouls was was on a play like that, which is 
you know, just frustrating at that point. One of the things, you know, you heard people say about Gonzaga was, you know, they, they really kind of kept Duke's transition game down by being able to score so effectively. Well, IU would, whenever they would score in the first half, it felt like Duke would immediately be back on the floor at him. And I think that put him in position to get one of those fouls. And it, it's just, you know, one of those cases where we said this after the Arkansas game, it's magnified in a game like this when the talent differential is so much, so much different. You know, he just has to find a way to keep himself on the floor. And to his credit, he did when he came back in and didn't commit additional fouls, but, um, you know, still tied for the team lead and assists. Was pretty close to it and in, in rebound, you know, did have four rebounds. But yeah, I mean, IU is not going to be able to, you know, kind of punch up at a team like Duke with even one of Juana Romeo having a bad game, let alone both of them. Um, and I think their games were struggles for different reasons. I think DeFalto really kind of took Juwan out of it made him a little bit less aggressive on the inside. And Romeo, as Ryan mentioned earlier, I thought really just forced a lot of shots and and at times got caught up in trying to, you know, match some of the Duke guys play for play. The two step-back jumpers that he took were just... Wh- where those were in the game was just not... You know, it just wasn't a good shot based on what I was doing, not, let alone the result of of how those both ended up. And um, definitely some four shots from him and, you know... It, you, you kind of cut him a little bit of slack. He's a freshman in that scenario, and what do you do? But IU's not going to survive, certainly a game like this and against any good opponent when those two guys play in, in tandem the way they did over the course of the game. Do you want to say anything, Ryan, before we break? No? Okay. No, I'm good. <laughs> All right. Uh, com- coming up in our final segment, we hand out our game ball, take a quick look ahead to Indiana's next opponent, and then in the last call, we will deliver our final thoughts on Indiana's 90-69 to loss to Duke. That's next here on the Assembly Call. Stick with us. You're listening to the Assembly Call IU Post Game Show. I'm Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms and Brian Phillips, and we are wrapping up our breakdown of Indiana's loss to Duke. And it is segment four, so that means we have to hand out a game ball. You know, sometimes this is obvious. Sometimes it's kind of fun to like pick through all the good performances. Then there are nights and then like tonight. Times like this. <laughs> yes, and there are nights like tonight. Uh, you know, and we would probably skip this, but we are doing a contest in our community where people are predicting who we're going to choose for the game ball. So we do have to have an official game ball winner tonight. Um, so we'll go with Andy first. Your, your, your game ball choice. I don't, I don't see why not. This is the uh, only time Andy's ever hoped that Ryan would interrupt him. Yeah, well, I'm, I might get my wish. Who knows? Uh, no, I, I guess I would go with Duran. I mean, based on what we said before, I, I do think he was one guy who, you know, played, you know, was, you know, 10 points in 15 minutes, um, you know, four rebounds. Didn't turn the ball over, which, I mean, should be good for something in a game like this. He was the only guy to play more than uh, two minutes who didn't have a turnover, I think. So uh, that also accounts for something. He did not contribute to that part of the uh, the problem. So I guess I would... I would say him almost by default, just because I'm not sure that anybody else really played well enough to uh, to get it. Fitzner really, I would say, is the only other guy you might make an argument for. Although I'm willing to listen to arguments for others, but I'll say Duran. Uh, Ryan, do you want to go next? No, I don't want to, but I will. Um, this is this might be the toughest one we have all year. I'll go with Al Durham. 27 minutes. I thought he was doing his best against Reddish and uh, and um, uh, Barrett and. He had nine points, I, but he was, you know, he, he never lost his aggressiveness the whole game. I thought he made some dumb, he had two dumb turnovers, but 
for the most part, at least he was engaged for the entire 27 minutes he was in there. He was trying. He was trying to show off a little bit, and he was aggressive. And that's more than I can say for anybody else. And I, look, I don't think Al played particularly well, but no. looking at my options, I'm going with Al Durham. You know, you you really see Al's limitations in a game like this because I agree. I, mean, I thought he played hard all night. He can like you always know you're going to get that from Al. You know, and he was able to compile some stats later in the game when the defensive pressure wasn't quite as much. But I thought you saw his limitations as a ball handler. Um, you know, against that pressure early on. Look, okay, so we have a vote for Drum. We saw that against Arkansas too. I know, I know, and, and he's you know he's playing you know in a position that he's probably not yet ready for as a sophomore. We just don't have very much guard depth. You know, it's always nice when we. When one when we have a guy that gets two votes, but I, I got to say, and I don't know if this is going to be a real popular pick, but I'm giving my game ball to Romeo. Um, he was terribly inefficient. Andy, you mentioned some of the bad shots, but I thought early in the game, you know, for the very short period of time when the game was still in doubt, I thought Romeo was the one guy who looked comfortable out there. And if he had had four other guys with him that kind of felt like they belonged in that game or acted like they belonged or played with a sense of poise... I think he would have been better. But I thought early on, you mentioned his defense was better. He had a couple of nice block shots. You know, he was at least getting the ball in a position to score. I mean, a bad Romeo shot was still better than a thir- you know, 13 turnovers in the first half. Um, and so, you know, I didn't think he got a lot of help, and I thought that hurt, um, along with, you know, some of his own poor decisions. But to me, you know, he was the guy that brought it the best in the beginning when the game was really lost. Um, and so I kind of give him some extra credit for that, I suppose. Um, so I'm giving my game ball to Romeo and that means we got to go to the chat mob and see, um, see who the chat mob picked. So we've got some votes for Al. We've got some votes for Duran. We have a vote for Jake Forrester's hair. Um, which I mean, you could make a good argument for that. I would like to switch my vote, Jared. (laughs) You want to go to Jake Forrester's hair? Um, I would like to make that my pick for the rest of the season. I'd pick no, easy because I saw goals. a lot of I saw a lot of Duran in the chat. I would say the chat. I think be. yeah. I think it's I think it's Duran and Al. And uh, all right, we need we need some more votes. So chat mob, this we is, need votes between Al or Duran. We need votes. This is riveting radio right now. Yeah, let's get some compelling. votes. Yeah, we'll, right, let's, let's get some votes. So let's talk. You want to talk Northwestern real quick while the while the votes are tabulated? Yeah, let, let's keep yeah. it let's keep it quick though because it's late and we have we have AC Radio Thursday night that we can talk more about Northwestern. So yeah, sure. give us a little bit about them. Uh, yeah, I mean, for them this year, they really haven't played anyone particularly good. The only top 100 Ken Pop team they've played is Fresno State that they oh. lost to by 19. Um, so they're five and one. They play Georgia Tech in the Big Ten ACC Challenge on Wednesday at home, a game that they should win. Uh, so could likely go in six and one, but haven't necessarily, uh, you know, beaten anyone impressive to get there. They did beat Utah by 22 on uh, on Sunday. Uh, biggest difference for them this year has been defensively. They're 32nd as I look at it now in uh, in adjusted defensive efficiency. So that's a pretty big, uh, pretty big change from what they had last year. Uh, obviously, don't have Bryant McIntosh anymore. So trying to figure out what they want to do uh, at point guard, but do have some guys that can score. Uh, Ryan Taylor, the Evansville transfer. Uh, AJ Turner, I think, came from Boston College, and then Vic Law, who's been there, uh, who's now a, a senior. It looks like so. It, you know, I think they will. It, we said this before coming in when the Big Ten schedule came out. It felt like a, you know, not a bad early Big Ten game to have, where it wasn't going to be one of the upper echelon teams. And I don't think they've done anything to this point that would suggest um, that they will end up in the upper echelon in the Big Ten. Uh, but a, a bit of a step up in competition from the other teams that I use uh, been playing at home in the non-conference outside of Marquette. So. 
you know, feels like a game IU should win, but uh, you know, Northwestern, you know, defensively has been better than they've uh, they've been in the past, and uh, you know, given IU's propensity for turnovers, at least uh, in these in these recent games, the fact that Northwestern ranks uh, 23rd as I look at it now in uh, defensive turnover rate is is enough to at least you know scare people a little bit. Uh, okay, so Duran wins. It was six six, and then a couple more votes came in for Duran. So it's Duran. But we also had some votes for another vote for Jake Forrester's hair, Coach K's coat. Bruiser Flint got a vote. Jordan Hull's got a vote. Jeff Oliphant gets a vote, a name from the past. And we also had, we want to welcome Brian Nay to the chat mob. We said, this is my first time really being active in the chat. You guys are fun. Thank you, Brian. We, uh, Thank you. We, oh, we, you mean, I mean, and if you, yeah, if yeah, you can be, probably, and probably if you can the be chat. fun. Yeah. And if you can be fun after a game like this, that really is saying something. <laughs> yes. Uh, you're listening to the Assembly Call IU Post Game Show. Remember that because you're an Assembly Call listener, you get 15% off of your entire order at HoosierProud.com and HomeFieldApparel.com. So if you want officially licensed IU gear, go to HomeFieldApparel.com. And if you want one of our Assembly Call logo t-shirts or one of Hoosier Proud's unique Indiana-inspired designs, visit HoosierProud.com. On both sites, use the promo code ASSEMBLY at checkout for 15% off your entire order. Uh, That's ASSEMBLY at checkout for 15% off your entire order. I want to give a game ball to my throat lozenges, hot tea, and this weird honey lemon spray that I got at Whole Foods for keeping me from coughing all night tonight. I'm going to overdose and pass out and have some kind of crazy illness tomorrow, but I haven't coughed, and that's what matters because we're all about professional audio here on the Assembly Call. Um, All right, let's walk into the mouth of the bear and go with last call. (laughs) Not what I said. It's not what I said. What was the what was it again? What was your weird metaphor? You did say walking into a bear's mouth. That, that's there you exactly go. That's you different said. than what he said. Thank you. But the mouth he said the oh, same geez. thing, just with the words rearranged, but either way. All right. Well, All I right, think we should let Ryan go first you, then. So we can, uh... <laughs> yeah. Someone asked, is the honey lemon spray a PED? It's probably I think it's what Ray Lewis was using the last Dear time the Ravens won a yeah, won a won a championship. It's fine. It's fine. The show's right. going off the rails. Let's get out of here. Yes. Yes, last call. All right, who's first? <laughs> Ryan's first. Yeah. Okay. All right. uh, no, Andy's first. He's in the Eastern Time Zone. All right, fine. Oh, yes. As it as it approaches one a.m. in the Eastern Time Zone, and I question every life choice I've ever made by sitting here and talking about this stupid game. Not all of them. Just the life choice to start the show. That's the only one that you need to question. Well, you know, it brings <laughs> it brings others into focus, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, you know, I, I like I said, it, it to me the disappointment was not in the loss itself; it was in the way that this team played and. Uh, it, it seems like they're starting to get healthy. It was good to see Zach and Devontae back out there. Uh, you know, Duran looked good as we as we talked about, and so you know, hopefully, this is the beginning of of starting to figure out what this team is really going to look like. Because I don't know that we've gotten a clear picture of it in any game this season, and I'm not sure that tonight gave us a clear picture of it either. Um, and so, while some of the positive games like Marquette and some of the early season blowouts kind of gave you, hey, this is the you know, maybe top end, it, it, it gives you the, the good vision of what this team could become uh, when at full strength. Games like tonight give you pause and make you wonder, are there, are there deeper issues that, you know, maybe they haven't, we haven't seen because we haven't seen this team at full strength. And, and the honest answer is we don't have any idea uh, at this point. Um, the good news, I think, though, for as difficult as these next four games may be, um, you know, Northwestern going to Penn State, who beat Virginia Tech at home tonight, you know, playing Louisville, who beat Michigan State tonight, and and playing Butler, um, will kind of accelerate that learning process for us to figure out what this team could really become, what the rotation looks like, uh, and and whether they're really going to be able to work through some of the issues that they saw tonight. Because 
given what we've seen from the Big Ten, if if tonight's issues are something they are not able to solve, uh, whether at full strength or not, it's going to turn into a long season pretty quickly. Um, and so I do have confidence they're going to figure some of those things out and and things won't be as bad as they look tonight. Uh, but again, I, I have a hard time kind of walking completely away from the way they looked in the parts of this game that mattered. Um, and so, you know, good thing is have a chance to, to see if they turn that around. But uh, I think as you, you know, mentioned earlier, I think it's, it's fair to have your guard up at this point about, uh, about the, the potential issues with the team uh, going forward. And we'll hope that it was just uh, a, a blip as, as, as a famous man once said. Yes, he did. He did say that. He did. How does he treat student media? Pass. How does Coach yep. K treat student media? All right, Ryan, last call. I didn't even know that was a drop, honestly. A walking uh, skeleton with a hairpiece? Okay, now that I did know. <laughs> uh, look, I know we all want to get angry about this, of course. I'm, I'm upset about the way they played and all that stuff, but I did kind of warn you coming in, this was coming. Uh, yeah, everybody takes Dallas and Ryan being right. That'll make this feel happens better. Happens a lot. Uh, but Saturday is what matters, and that's the start of Big Ten play, and we'll see how they come out against Northwestern. It's one of my least favorite things in college basketball. What is it, a 1 o'clock start uh, on a Saturday? So guys are going to come out flat. At least they're at home. But let's see how Indiana responds to this because it's really it's not about losing to Duke. That that the game tonight did not matter. It's a showcase. It does not matter unless you beat Duke. There, there's no almost no purpose for it. It's gone from the schedule, essentially. It's about the Big Ten now and about refocusing and 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 winning on Saturday. So let's see how they come out. Let's and let's see what they do. And and that's really all that matters right now is moving forward and getting better one game at a time because they really got to get better quick. Yeah, they do. And look, the biggest issue all season, you know, the turnovers are a big issue, the poor free throw shooting, all those things. But the biggest issue is the injuries and not having the team and, and having a team that clearly doesn't have chemistry yet and that just doesn't seem very sure of itself. And the thing that's going to correct that is getting guys healthy and getting guys back playing regular minutes. And of all the, you know, there weren't many positives tonight, but again, seeing Duran look healthier, just getting Devontae and Zach back in the lineup this team is starting to get healthier. You certainly hope that, you know, a loss like this and the stretch that they've had doesn't, you know, damage the confidence or do anything long-term to this team. Uh, but I don't think we, ne we need to be worried about that yet. This is a team that does have some strong internal leadership. It's a team that does have talent. Um, and as we mentioned off the top of the show, the last time this happened, it turned into a galvanizing event for the team uh, and they rebounded from it. And so obviously totally different cast, totally different coach. Uh, so we'll have to see what this team does from it. Um, but you know, I mean, as much as I hate to say it, Ryan, I think you are right. You just have to put this in the rear view. You know, it, it doesn't, it matters in the sense that it really highlighted some major issues and they need to get fixed, but it is, it's a loss that doesn't need to linger because it's not going to follow us around in the record, you know, in big 10 play, it's not going to be a drag on the NCAA tournament resume. So the team, the coach, they've just got to figure out a way to be better from it because, they were not good tonight, and I think it's totally fair to be disappointed as an IU fan and to be frustrated um, and to really be upset at what we saw because it was a lack of focus, a lack of organization, like Archie said. Um, but all that matters now is how they come back from it uh, and hopefully 
they uh, they used it and become better, and we look back on this as a game that, that ended up pushing this team in the right direction. Um, it's a little bit hard to see right now because it was such a bad performance, but that's what we have to hold on to as we move forward. All right, that'll do it for us on this edition of the Assembly Call IU Post Game Show. If you want to see us do the show live and be part of the live chat, make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash assemblycall. You can also subscribe to our podcast by searching for Assembly Call wherever you listen to podcasts. And don't forget to go to assemblycall.com or text IU to 66866 to join our free email newsletter. Thank you for listening. We'll be back to talk IU hoops again with you on Thursday night. Until then, keep your elbows in and your eyes on the rim. And be careful walking into Bears' mouths. Go Hoosiers. Thank everybody for coming out. All right. I got to get out of here, folks. Thank you. Thank you for being here and for listening to this episode of the Assembly Call. We appreciate it. And we really do rely on the support of audience members like you to keep our show going and to keep growing. And so we have set up a page on our website at assemblycall.com slash support that lists five ways that you can support the Assembly Call. And we encourage you to choose whichever method is the easiest and most convenient for you. One of the methods is donating, and so many of you have donated, and we appreciate it so much. On that page, you can choose a monthly recurring donation or an annual recurring donation or just a one-time donation, whatever works for you. And if you don't want to donate, another way to support the show is you can use our affiliate URLs, iutickets.shop or iustore.shop when you're going to shop for tickets or gear, and we will get paid a small commission when you use those links. But however you support the show... We appreciate it. Thank you. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. Tonight's Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Whew. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player client. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. Tonight's Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Whew. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player client. Some people just know there's a better way to do things. Like bundling your home and auto insurance with Allstate. Or hiring someone to move your piano instead of doing it yourself. So do things the better way. Bundle home and auto and save up to 25% with Allstate. Bundled savings vary by state and are not available in every state. Saving up to 25% is the countrywide average of the maximum available savings off the home policy. All state vehicle and property insurance company and affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois.